We return to Dunder Mifflin, Teletubbies gurgles onto the air, and the world is introduced to the squinty, mumbling brilliance of Steven Seagal. This week on 30-20-10. Welcome everyone to 30-20-10, your podcast time travel machine, where we take you back 30, 20, and 10 years ago into the past of this week. This week being April 6th through the 12th. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. And I'm George Burns in a child's body, Diana Goodman. <laughs> That's some wonderful foreshadowing. <laughs> As we always do, we will tell you about the news, movies, TV, music, video games released in this week, 30, 20, and 10 years ago, so 1988, 1998, and 2008. And yes, we're focusing on April 6th through the 12th. A ton of movies to talk about. Yeah, but none that good. None that good, but a really kind of famous debut in the very first segment. So stay tuned for all that, people. Because we got to start, as we always do, in 1988, April 6th through the 12th. A little bit of news to bring in. Um, it relates to a bunch of Laser Times that we've done. Our sister show, Laser Time, where we it's more topic-based and not date-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a show recently on uh, behind the scenes at Disneyland with a Disneyland cast member. Because mm-hmm. we're all obsessed with Disneyland. Uh, and this week, Disneyland closes America Sings. Officially. Officially. Because... I was at Disneyland a lot around this time mm-hmm. in 88 because back in the day it was really cheap for locals to go. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember that building just being dormant for a long time. Yeah, with, a, with a fucking eagle with a with an American flag top hack saying pardon our dust. Yeah. Yeah, just, well, it, 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 it is the ride that infamously, infamously kills somebody. It kills somebody. So they had to do a little retooling so it didn't kill any more people. Right. And uh, I don't know if it's a hot take or controversial. My favorite ride in Disneyland is Splash Mountain. Mm-hmm. Not the biggest fan of Song of the South. Mm. Uh, hopefully Disney can separate the two. But like, if when you go on Splash Mountain, even if you've seen Song of the South, which most of you haven't, where, who are all these characters? <laughs> where do these French ostriches come from? <laughs> it's with the geese. There's uh, just geese everywhere. And it's it's from this American Sings attraction. They took mm-hmm. all those ro- those singing robots out and they retrofitted them for the Song of the South ride. So it's right. this huge animatronic showcase for a movie that doesn't have that many characters. Yep. Um, and the ones that, and half of the ones they do have, they don't want to talk about. Um, but that that is happening. Also, on a recent episode of Laser Time, that Diana was on with your husband um, Michael Raparez, mm-hmm. we talked about comic strips because right, right. that was like one of my first obsessions that I don't know is a medium that can thrive in a modern environment. But hey, mm-hmm. one of the only funny comic strips, Cop Foxtrot, makes its debut this week I in nineteen eighty eight. I don't think we mentioned. I think a couple people pointed out, like, hey, you didn't mention Foxtrot. That's actually funny. Yeah. yeah it's no, like, ah, shit, you're right. Oh, you're right. During that episode, we didn't mention yeah. that Foxtrot was dope. Uh, but it is. And uh, consider this your make good. But that should bring you in. Closes America Sings. Foxtrot's debuting in newspapers. We're in 1988. Shh, it's okay. It's okay. doesn't matter if you were born yet. Diane and I were. <laughs> We remember some of this stuff, like uh, Beetlejuice being number one at the box office, yes. justifiably so. Uh, but also, yeah, a little movie news. The Razzies. Yep. Wait, are you a Razzie member? Or? I am a voting Razzie member. Wow. Yeah. I oh, I forgot to vote this year, though. But that's okay. This year I was had, dumb. I had, I had a lot. Mm-hmm. I've not been agreeing with the Razzies for a mm-hmm. long time. But, you know, I vote anyway. But uh, this year for 88, oh, boy, how do you even choose? These are famously bad movies. Leonard Part 6 won quote-unquote one <laughs> which very deservedly so beating ishtar jaws the revenge tough guys don't dance and who's that girl letter part six is a tough watch Ugh. ishtar is like ishtar is bad but not yeah, not this bad not jaws the revenge bad it's, it's more about the behind the scenes turmoil that made it more infamous it's yeah. that amplified its badness which it's on its own not that bad it's a not movie. that bad and who's that girl is also bad but not not Jaws the Revenge. Man. I, I remember watching that twice for some reason. Who's that girl? Didn't yeah, hate it. It's, it's but tough guys don't dance. I've only seen that one clip, and that's enough for me. And Jaws the Revenge. Oh God! Oh man! Oh God! Oh man! Oh God! Oh man! <laughs> but if the Razzies are around, that means uh, you know Oscars the, the next Oscars day. Are there too. Yeah. Um, this year uh, for the films of 1987, it was hosted by Chevy Chase. I tried to get his opening line, but I couldn't find that clip because uh, he opens it with. Good evening, Hollywood phonies. <laughs> wow, um, the only funny thing you ever said. Yeah. Uh, Last Emperor wins Best Picture. Michael Douglas wins Best Actor for Wall Street. Cher wins Best Actress for Moonstruck. Olympia Dukakis wins Best Supporting Actress for Moonstruck. Mm. Sean Connery wins for uh, Best Supporting Ish. Actor for The Untouchables. I watched his speech, and it's really nice. Like, he doesn't thank anyone. 
He just he makes a couple jokes and then asks them to please end the writer strike. I'm like, oh, that was kind of ah, sweet. Writer strike will, will bookend the show. I very believe. much mm-hmm. so. Uh, but Bernardo Bertolucci won best director for The Last Emperor, and in true Italian fashion, he ends his thank you speech very interestingly. I just I was just thinking that if uh, New York is the Big Apple. To me, Hollywood tonight is the big nipple. Thank you very much. <laughs> is there some cultural thing I'm missing there? What, what, what did that mean? It's a big booby. The big nipple? Oh, shoot. You know what? And this, this clip uh, I don't have early enough. Mm-hmm. Robin Williams gives the, the award for best director. Oh. And he makes the joke that uh, with this Oscar also comes a green card because there were no American <laughs> nominees. Oh, well, that's, uh, I mean... Finally, got, we got to rattle off some good movie talk there because yeah. there's not a lot of great movies no, this week, but but no. notable and 80s-tastic, let's call it that. Okay. Uh, because Remote Control, uh, starring Kevin Dillon. Not the TV show, which Johnny Drama. has already been on for a little while. Yeah, yeah, I guess it gets... A couple months. Not an easy title to copyright, but yeah. this this is a movie about an alien invasion where the plot to take over humanity is done through 1950s sci-fi movies in a VHS store. Okay. So I think... A, I, I have not seen this, but everything I saw about it, like, this looks astonishing. I really want to see this. It came from beyond the stars. The ultimate weapon of human destruction. Mom, my TV. The next videotape you watch could control your mind. It could possess your body. It could take your life. Remote control. Why did they pick home videos to destroy mankind? <laughs> good question, Kevin. Yeah, good question, Drama. Um, so it's The Ring, but with alien invasion. But with, like, Plan 9 from Outer Space, like, black and white sequences and Mylar suits with giant bees on them. Like, it's <laughs> it it seems kind of ahead of its time in how clever it is. Huh. But, yeah, it's, it's a cult film. I think it finally got a reissue, but it's been pretty difficult to find throughout the years. Hmm. Um, also, have Bad Dreams. Uh, what is Bad Dreams about? He led 24 people to sacrifice their lives. Now, he's back from the grave. For the one that got away. So that, that I forgot. Okay. Yes, that's what this is about. It is a, what's that cult called that drank the poison juice to go on the moonbeam? Jonestown? Beam? Yeah, the Jonestown, a Jonestown massacre. However, one woman survives. Uh-huh. The leader of the cult uh, also thought dead also survives and hunts her down as the last victim of a suicide cult. Okay. So this is this is a, this is how slow it used to take to rip things from the headlines back in the day because this is it's based on something so specific we would have to explain what why wouldn't why would anybody make a movie like this? Right, which happened 10 years before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, about it's 10 years before? Yeah, Jonestown's. Okay. Well, I was thinking the the the, the yeah. ones uh they Heaven's still have Gate. a website, Heaven's Gate people. Yeah, and that's and that's a couple years off. Yeah. Okay. That's I, no, we covered that for like ninety seven, ninety six. Yeah. Yeah. Another notable uh, ritual suicide. Hooray! Mm. Um, and uh, we also have <laughs> we just talked about a kid body switch movie. Vice versa. Vice what, versa. Two weeks ago. Two three weeks, weeks ago. ago yeah. And we have another one. Admittedly, this is a little different because well. Yeah. It's a grandfather instead of a father, but uh, uh, but but beyond that, like here's a little clip from the trailer. It's got George Burns, his the final movie of George Burns. Oh, fun! But this year he's celebrating Grandpa in his grandson David's body. Are you all right? Fine. What the hell happened to my voice? Do you believe that a person can go from one body to another? Charlie, I got my wish. Eighteen again. I love I love the the kid affecting that old nineteen forties accent. I got my own body back, and it's don't it, you believe me, red buttons? Don't you believe me? And it, it's instead of focusing on like the separate experiences of both bodies, mm. like George Burns is narrating his own thoughts as this child uh. is playing is his eighteen year old grandson is playing him, and notably his best friend played by Pauly Shore. Oh my! One of the first roles of Pauly Shore. That guy, that kid had going on as early as nineteen eighty. I remember hearing about this on a bad movie podcast. I'm going to say We Hate Movies mm-hmm. might have covered this. What's disturbing about it is, yeah, that the conceit is they got into a car accident and mm-hmm. so their mind switched. So George Burns is running around in this teenager's body, and George Burns, with the kid's brain inside him, is in a freaking coma. Yeah. Yes, and he's like deciding whether or not to try to get back. Mm-hmm. 
The kid's in a coma. Yeah, th- th- there's not a lot of comedy to be derived from being stuck in a body. That's terrible. It's you like lived a, your life, George you, Burns. Did you think the diving bell and the butterfly was funny? Then you might not like half this movie. <laughs> Uh, but yes, 18 again. But even more notably uh, is the movie debut mm-hmm. of one Stephen, Sir Stephen Seagal. Oh, dear. In Above the Law. One rule. You guys think you're above the law. Ain't above mine. Above the law. Yes, yes, yes. A so, f- former military blobbity book, Chicago cop blobbity book. It's kind of astonishing that Steven Seagal got to like co-write and produce and star in a major Hollywood picture with no other acting work before this. No, I guess not. And uh, directed by Andrew Davis, it looks <laughs> like, who directed The Fugitive. Really? Yeah, with Sharon Stone and Pam Greer. And I, but I did. Yeah. Fi- I did figure out how he got the gig. Oh, yeah. Well, because he was a. He's a Steven Seagal is a pretty notable martial arts man. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long we'll even talk about Above the Law. It's a Steven Seagal movie, but it's one of the it's one of the better ones. I think I it's think so. One of the good. Well, I think the rule is if there's three words in the title, <laughs> then it's more likely than not to be good. On Deadly Ground being the one that ruins it. Yeah, but um, it's no exit wounds. You know, it's not hard to kill. Hard to kill. Yeah, I have a clip of that just because it's my favorite thing ever. My friends and I quoted. I thought it was from this movie. I was wrong. It's from Hard to Kill. I think I know what it is. You definitely too. know what this is. I can take that to the bank. I'm gonna take you to the bank, Senator Trent. To the blood bank. <laughs> And we always quote that line like he's saying it while like pumping a shotgun into the senator, but he's sitting alone in a hotel room staring at his feet. It's so pathetic. Uh, but Seagal, like I found out how he got his gig. Mm-hmm. He uh, was a prominent martial arts uh, person, well-trained, well-decorated, traveled the world and became eventually settled in as an instructor in L.A. Huh. Uh, one of his pupils became Michael Ovitz, oh. uh, CAA head and eventual president of Disney right. and thought... Hey, you should be in a movie. And he's like, yeah, I think I should be in a movie. I should be in movies, <laughs> and like, that's that. Holy shit! It feels like such an old Hollywood story. Like yeah. he, no acting career before this. Nothing has no body of work, but jumps wow. right into writing and producing and, and starring in movies, and that's... instantly had a Warner Brothers contract. Wow, this movie did very well. That's, I mean, that's interesting because I feel like we're getting past a generation of sort of the B level uh, action stars. Mm-hmm. It's like there's some that are consistent. That w- you know, we'll see forever. You know, your your Stallones and your Schwarzeneggers just seem to keep going and going and mm-hmm. going, whether they want to or not. Um, we haven't hit Bruce Willis becoming an action star yet. Mm-hmm. Coming up this year. And um, it's sort of like, I don't know. I mean, you got your 80s, like your Michael Dudikoff type mm-hmm. guys. And it's like, yeah, we, we need a new one. Let's let's get yeah. a new sort of B level actiony guy, but and I, he was good at first. Yeah, well, I think he was a stepping stone to finding someone like Jackie Chan and Jet Li, because Arnold right. and Sly someone who actually does yeah, the stuff. They're yes, superficial, muscle bound superheroes. Seagal in those early movies, he you can throw a punch, he can do yeah. all that shit. Uh, some of the stuff in his early works, like you didn't know this chubby kimono wearing guy <laughs> could move like this. Uh, he's not a joke because right. he looks he looks physically imposing in his first couple of films. Uh, really neat. Oh, and I did see recently, you know, he's like buddy-buddy with Russia. Yep. If you need further proof of Russian propaganda, there's a, there's a fucking video of Steven Seagal at a Russian, like, Taekwondo tournament throwing people through the room with, like, one touch to their wrist. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is all bullshit. Mm-hmm. He's a 60-year-old man. He barely did anything. And people are, like, flying away with every single poke or touch. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's the best form of Russian propaganda I admit, I, I encourage you to seek out this week. But, yes, we got to move out of the movies and into the TV of 1988. Uh, what are we at? April 6th through the 12th. Diana, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Murder, mm-hmm. She Wrote. Yeah. Murder, She Wrote. Uh, just a great title. Show, showdown in Saskatchewan. <laughs> as Jessica's niece is smitten with a rodeo rider and refuses to believe uh, he could have committed murder oh do we know what the guest stars were it was nobody notable that Aww. I could see but you know you know more about old actors than I do yeah um, I gotta go through all of those let's find the good ones and that's a bunch of this I just didn't I uh, have to rattle off fast because I just don't care mm-hmm. a show called Just In Time debuts who gives a shit? Annalise's character, Melissa Agretti, dies in a house fire in the CBS drama Falcon Crest. Oh, no. Uh, nighttime soaps. We don't have those, really. But, yeah, I wanted to get into the two other notable things, because, hey, guess what? It's the Oscars again. I feel like yep. 302010 gets to celebrate the Oscars for, like, a whole month. Yep. <laughs> but we just it, talked about them. And so the biggest thing I could see is the show My Sister Sam is taken off the air. Oh, um, so sad. 
Hi, I'm Patty Russell, and this is my sister, Sam. I just moved in. We haven't lived together since we were kids. I was raised by our aunt and uncle. Yeah, things sure have changed. I used to dress her. I can't wear this out in public. This makes up for the haircut you gave me when I was three. Oh, 80s-tastic, uh, Full House-esque mm. sitcom intro. Well, the show is notable because it's uh, about Pam Dauber, and she's a freelance San Francisco photographer, which I know for a fact pays garbage, uh, <laughs> who, who has to take in her orphan 16-year-old sister. Mm-hmm. So it's not unlike Dave Eggers' uh, heartbreaking work of Sagaring Genius, the sitcom. Um, <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was not a success. Right. And it was pulled off the air and is one of you know, the first shows brought back by a letter-writing campaign. People like the show so much. And it became notable for a uh, tragedy that uh, we have. <laughs> I'd be yeah. remiss if I didn't talk about. Uh, it was canceled. Uh, it was canceled leaving in the second season, leaving over a dozen episodes unaired. Hmm. And the USA Network picked it up. Why? Because the show gave further notoriety. Rebecca Schaefer, who played the younger sister on the show, was eventually stalked uh, for yep. three years by a disturbed young man and shot in her doorway and killed. Yep. So the show became notable for terrible reasons after yeah. its cancellation and ended up seeing the light of day again on the USA Network. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a shame. First of all, I love Pam Dauber. She's one of yes, the people. Yes, Mork and Mindy. Of yeah, Mork Mindy and Mork and Mindy. She's just always seems like so cool and kind of relatable and mm-hmm. fun and pretty, but not like pretty, pretty. Just I like she was so hot. Just like hot aunt pretty. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, Rebecca Schaefer's murder ended up changing a bunch of privacy laws in California. Really? Because... Yeah, it was really not hard for this guy, just random ass guy, to get the home address and phone huh. number of a celebrity and just go over to her house. I uh, mean, I don't want to scare people, but doesn't it seem easier than ever to do that to anybody? Yeah, but celebrities now also have, you know, they tend to live behind gates, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. You know, it's not like back in the I'm old unlisted. days where... You can't find my address like my drone can. <laughs> I could, yeah, I'll find your DMC knows exactly where you are. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it used to be, it's so weird if you like drive through Beverly Hills mm-hmm. and there's all these houses and they'd be like, Milton Berle lived there. Groucho Marx lived there. And it's like, <laughs> you could just walk up. There's yeah. no gate. There's no fence. There's just, you just walk up and knock, knock on, on the door. Hi, Jimmy Stewart. How you doing? Yeah. Oh, hey, thanks for coming by. Yeah. Hey, I made you some brownies. Oh, I love it when strangers help on my doorstep. <laughs> exactly. Did so, you bring the paper in? So weird. And that's one, one of the reasons why is this freaking murder by a yeah, it's stalker it's like awful you know you hear about like like letterman had a stalker all these different stalkers mm-hmm. it's like you get a restraining order and then that's it yeah this is where this is where it could go to this yeah fucking assholes or shoots her that's tragic and it stays tragic as we move into games of 1988 uh yeah. the 6, april 6th to the 12th just because like it's hard to find any information mm-hmm. uh i have i have done the best i can people are giving me advice on how to look up these game release dates yeah. but it's it's all they all trying to corroborate it is impossible <laughs> uh but what i did see is that namco releases the game assault which may or may not be the first game that uses a hardware rotation of sprites uh in the background which okay. is a and a, a footnote in uh, arcade technology, which we won't see a whole lot of moving into the next segment of 302010. Mm. Uh, but the music of 1988, April 6th to the 12th, Man in the Mirror is still number one, baby. Uh, but yeah. we have new releases, Highway to Stephen by the Buttholes, Highway to Stephen by the Butthole Surfers. I'm still laughing at the name Butthole Surfers. <laughs> uh, seventh Son of a Seventh Son by Iron Maiden. Uh, this Note's for You by Neil Young. Lap of Luxury by Cheap Trick. And even worse, by Weird Al Yankovic. So this was a tough call what to go out because yeah. this, this Note's for You was actually a big hit for Neil Young, but it's mm-hmm. mostly because of the video where he's making fun of other commercials yes. and videos. It was got notoriously banned from MTV, not for offensive content, but content that would offend a sponsor? Uh, Well, I mean, he makes fun of Michael Jackson getting set on fire in that Pepsi mm. video. But, you know, it was still, it was pretty funny, like, to have this old dude, you know, being with it and hip and making fun of I stuff. I can't think of another popular Neil Young music video. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but then, even worse, like, Bad is still on the charts, and he's turned around even worse it's so one fast. One of my favorite light jokes that I hope I never have to give context to. The title, mm-hmm. even worse. Because the covers look exactly the same. It is To me, that is fucking hysterical. Parody <laughs> <laughs> of bad, even worse. <laughs> um, but you want to close out with fat? Let's go with fat. All right, baby. We'll close out some weird, with some Weird Al Yankovic, and we will see you in 1998. The pavement cracks when I fall down. I've got more chins. Chinatown When I never used a phone booth And I never seen my toes When I'm going to the movies I take up seven rows Because I'm fat, fat, I'm fat Really, really fat You know I'm fat, fat, I'm fat You know 
Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. I wanted since you since you talked about the the female version of it, I wanted to do a, a brief reading of what I wrote after reading the book back in 2015, which is a parody of Ready Player One, where everyone's obsessed with the absolute worst of 80s trash culture. Uh, <laughs> Wearing the standard Gunter uniform of a faded Coors t-shirt tucked into pleated jeans, I began my 97th viewing of Hot to Trot. (laughs) Suddenly, Artemis appeared in my mom's rec room simulation. Her fluorescent green scrunchie shone through her crimped hairstyle. I just played a perfect game of Double Dragon, I bragged, indicating the Tiger LCD game still clutched in my hands. After beating Rude Dog's score in BC's Quest for Tires, I awoke on hardwood. I had to reenact the Heavenly Bodies aerobics contest. <laughs> Spuds McKenzie has long since taken over the Cadillac Cats. Heathcliff was powerless. <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Hope you found the right uh, partner to slow dance with. We are coming in to 1998 with All My Life by Casey and JoJo, which hits oh, yeah. number one this week. Slow yeah, every single prom has this song in it. You know it. Some new releases in 1998, April 6th through the 12th. Uh, we have the Wake of Magellan concept album by uh, Savatage. Sabotage. 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 Whoa. Still standing <laughs> by uh, Goody Mob, Fundamental by Bonnie Raitt. And Darkest Days by Stabbing Westward. Holy shit. That's why I love that show, that I get to say Bonnie Raitt, Stabbing Westward, and Goody Mob in the same sentence. (laughs) Wonderful. Uh, Let us know in the comment section what you think of any of those albums. I do not know them that well. I have a little bit of news to get you into that full-on 1998 feeling. Mm. Uh, (laughs) George Michael busted in a men's restroom. Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe... This This is when the gay joke started. Yeah. So weird. Up until that, I mean, there were some gay jokes when he was with Wham because he's like so clean cut and mm-hmm. they're like hugging all the time. But <laughs> but then like he kept making all his videos were like really sexy, starring all these supermodels, and everyone's like, "Oh man, he's super banging Cindy Crawford and Linda Linda Evangelista." Damn. Oh man, how long like, can no, a man film his own butt? No, it turns out no, they were just they're just good friends. I was making a joke with my friend about that. Uh, do ladies do the? Uh... Gay liaisons in the public bathrooms? That doesn't happen, right? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think that's a thing ladies do. No. Why, guys? Why is that the only place? I know. There's got to be somewhere. But, like, can't you meet up in the bathroom and then go to some port? Yeah. Else? Like, I, th- like I, th- I think apps have, like, changed all that. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure if Grindr had existed, this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> this wouldn't have happened. But, but I think what I love, though, he was so chill about it. Yeah. He was just sort of like, yeah, no, I had some time on my hands. I went cruising. <laughs> Yeah. What? I went cruising and a cop I found me. I thought he still didn't 100% come out at that point. I don't know. I don't remember if there was ever like a big coming out moment that I remember hearing about, except that he was just sort of like, yeah, that's cool. And then he ended up uh, making a video about it. Yes. And then he got sued by the cop. <laughs> yeah. Because, oh, my God. Because he's wearing the cop's name tag in the video. Oh, my God. I forgot about where, that. Oh, yeah. We'll close out with that. Okay. Outside is is a really fun song. Well, what happens on April tenth? I don't know what this means. Good Friday Accords were signed. Yay! What does that mean? I don't, uh, I don't get that, Friday off. That means um, not so much with the fighting in the Northern Ireland anymore. Mm. That's basically solidified some of the power sharing and the ceasefire, which was a little bit in jeopardy. When I was over there, I was in Belfast the day like some dude got killed in prison, and they were like, "Oh, there's gonna be a ride in Derry tonight." And I'm like, "Ah, I don't want. To, I have nothing to do with it. I'm Jewish. I, I, You're all a bunch of Christians <laughs> to me. I don't fucking care." I I forget when that was a foreign conflict that was constantly in the news. I, yeah. I, I but I I have a vague memory of it 
man, that seems so weird. So so long ago now. Yeah, it's just like, dude, you all look, just look like a bunch of white dudes to me. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't get it. And yeah, wandering around Belfast, and there's fucking tanks everywhere, and there's a wall literally between neighborhoods, and it's like, yeah, this is so. This is like being in the West Bank, I guess, but cold and rainy. It's it seems ridiculous, but also I get maybe you can, maybe you can look at it as a beacon of hope. Like mm-hmm. it seemed like a hopeless situation for a really long time. Yeah, and it it's it's as if it never happened. Well, I mean, not, yeah. obviously not if you were affected directly by it or lived there. Yeah, but things are immeasurably better. Yeah, now I, I don't think there's quite the military presence on the streets of Northern Ireland. I'm sure in Maybe July they start naming there's... the streets. I only know about Ireland from U2 songs. Yeah, I, I have no <laughs> idea. I have no idea. Yeah, but things seem uh, chiller now and for 20 years i mean it's basically the overall ceasefire is held i'm i'm sure there's lots of low level incidents but there haven't been like bombings in london because mm-hmm. of this shit which there used to be a lot of yeah one of my favorite movies uh the long good friday oh yeah it's like yeah. the remnants of this is forever stained on that movie like mm-hmm. that's part of its premise uh but getting into some lighter news i suppose april 11th uh, national cable tv association announces they will discontinue the cable ace awards it's both good and bad like it it was like cable wasn't allowed to sit at the big kids table and like on late night network talk shows like cable was a punching cable ace awards were a punching bag but well, like yeah. but yeah, I remember the shows who won that kind of stuff would be really proud and sometimes the, 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 the sometimes the proceedings would be really fun because mm-hmm. they're usually celebrating shows that I actually care about Duckman <laughs> and Dr. Katz having exclusive appearances animated appearances <laughs> at cable ace awards but I think in a positive way they kind of needed to go away because the Emmys stopped cock blocking cable TV shows exactly. eventually yeah. so there was no point in segregating the awards from cable and network and nowadays like Jesus Christ what what network show is up for Emmys yeah we're like, talking about shows that are exclusive <laughs> to your phone being like nominated for Emmys at this point like networks networks have a lot more to contend with yeah and it's better that way I think we're not talking about TV yet are we movies of 1998 uh, April 6th through the 12th oh man did you see Overnight Delivery Diana nope it's occasionally confused with another movie I meant to uh, get the name of. Uh, but let's see if this premise will tell you exactly what it's about. Is this a great country or what? He's just sent his girlfriend the wrong package. Stop! Wait! I bear some degree of responsibility here. Some degree? And he's got 24 hours to get it back. Uh, it's a baby Paul Rudd, a baby Aww. Reese Witherspoon, and a baby Christine Taylor. Um, Paul Rudd plays a man who believes his girlfriend, who he's in a long-distance relationship with, has been cheating on him mm-hmm. by a message her roommate left with him, but it turns out she was just walking a dog. Mm. Uh, but to get back at her, he goes to a strip club, and he meets a stripper played by Reese Witherspoon, and like, let's uh, take our clothes off, take a picture, and send it to her. Uh, mm. But then Paul Rudd finds out, oh, that the Ricker was the dog. Yeah. I have to stop this package. So it's this madcap chase to stop a package from reaching his girlfriend. And he got... He got Okay. Same day shipping on, uh-huh. uh, so he's got to race across the country. They're so baby faced. It didn't get great reviews, but I just remember Reese Witherspoon being kind of like this HBO darling. Like I didn't mm. remember in a bunch of big movies, but shit like Freeway and Overnight Delivery uh, played Freeway. all the time. Freeway was amazing. Freeway is a great movie. Yeah, I love Freeway. Watch Freeway instead of this. I'm trying to remember <laughs> the movie that's similar to this, but it, it gets a little dirtier because the dude sends a used condom to his girlfriend. He thinks he's who was cheating on him, but wasn't, and he has to stop it before it gets to her. Huh? Yes, I can't remember what it was. Comment. 302010.net. Please let us know. Uh, Also out this week, I think the directorial debut of Ice Cube? Is that that what's happening? Yeah. I don't know. Did he correct Friday? I'll need to check on that. I don't think so. Yeah. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, the Players Club. Hey, how much money you make working here? I make enough. Use what God gave you. Stop messing with this chump change. What y'all dancing? The Players Club. Players Club was owned by this lowlife named Dollar Bill. Dollar Dollar Bill! And his sleazy sidekick, Little Man. Have anybody ever told you you look just like the father from Good Times? <laughs> uh, it was the father it from Good Times. It was the father from Good Times. But motherfucker, Bernie Mac. I love Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac. Uh, and I love that. I don't know why I remember the song so well, because the soundtrack to this did much better than the film. Yeah. Uh, Ice Cube's a Weeby Clubbing soundtrack. Oh. It's, got a, it's got a Weeby Clubbing remix with DMX. Oh, oh. Uh, but yeah, Ice Cube directed film Players Club. I have not seen it in a very long time, and nor have I seen the next movie. Is it something burning? Closing out 
the Three Ninjas Tetralogy. <laughs> we, we have probably one of its more notable... It's a tetralogy? I think so. I think oh, there are four films. Uh, Kickback, uh, still still ninjing. I don't know. But this one, Three Ninjas, High Noon at Mega Mountain, and uh, they, some notable big stars finally. Oh, no. The Three Ninjas are back. Let's rock! Teamed with the ultimate ally, Hulk Hogan. Teamwork! They're power-packed partners, pumping with pure energy. Want a piece of me? Come and get it. Ugh, this movie's why wonderfully he, terrible. Why is he dressed like He-Man? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But he is wearing a wig. And it, yeah. it was awesome. If you were watching WCW wrestling at the time, and you like, what's up with Hulk's hair? He's making three ninjas, baby. Um, he's got a different haircut. Uh, he's teaming up with the three ninjas against um, Lonnie Anderson. <laughs> uh, so this might be the only Lonnie Anderson movie I've ever seen. And wow. uh, a, a rare villain turn mm-hmm. for Jim Varney. No way. Yes, Jim oh, Varney no. plays the villain. Um, but Hiding at Mega Mountain, it's filmed at... A, I love movies shot in theme parks. Mm-hmm. And that's the only redeemable thing about it. It's some of the worst stunt work you've ever seen in your life. But how much are you going to get out of untrained kids who can only be on set oh, for so certain hours? Oh, so is Mega Mountain the theme park? Yeah. Okay, it's not a like actual. No, mountain. it's not a big giant hollowed out volcano with Jim okay. Barney hanging out. It's it. Magic Mountain that they can't yes. call it that. Yeah, it's like Earl. It's a Colorado theme park. Okay. Um, that's still around. I double checked. I just couldn't get the spelling correct. Um, but yes, that movie came out as well as um. Jesus, the return of screenwriter Billy Crystal uh-huh. in this film. I find people to be in movies. They pay for this? They're so stupid. You've been talking to my father, haven't you? I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I'm too tall, Sammy. I could put you in the movies. On a movie screen, everybody is 40 feet tall. Not because I is doing 40 for a man. Yes, uh, My Giant. Uh. Arriving a little too late. Uh, Michael Lehman film. Oh, um, Michael Lehman directed this? Yes. Heather's Michael Lehman? Yes, Lehman's? Heather's Michael Lehman. Well, um, Howard <laughs> uh, Hudson Hawks Yeah, uh, Michael Lehman. Yeah, Heather's is kind of the standout there. It stars yeah. Billy Crystal as well and Romanian NBA player Jorge Mersen. Your George. You're sure, a Romanian dude who, this is his only film role ever. Well, yeah, he's not an actor. He's a giant dude. He is not an actor. Do you, do you, everybody, see, I think everybody knows the backstory behind this. That it was what? supposed to be somebody else. Oh. Um, and it's, it just bums me out to think about it. Uh, Billy Crystal, on another movie, became fascinated with one of his co-stars, mm. Andre the Giant. Aww. And wrote this movie all up, like, that's that's why it's set where it's set like uh, he meets Andre the Giant and Andre the Giant I don't I'm nothing against George's performance but like as a little kid I looked forward to seeing Andre the Giant anywhere I loved mm. everything about him and that I love that the Princess Bride holds up so well and still being shown because that's exactly how mm. I want to remember Andre the Giant he's played villains mm. in movies he's He's played a ra- like rascals on the wrestling ring, but I love love his Princess Bride character. I would yeah. love to see him in a movie like this, befriending Billy Crystal, a guy scouting for actors right. and on-screen talent. Who's also, I mean, he's pretty short too. It makes it fun. Billy Crystal's maybe five six, five seven. And he's kind of a little yeah. guy. Oh yes, yes. So it makes him look even taller. The juxtaposition, a yeah. big little Ennis situation. It- um, and I don't, I don't know much about Hollywood, but I figured Billy Crystal would like. Is Hollywood having a problem finding actors in Los Angeles that they have to send a man out to Romania? That's uh, that's kind of something they would do like in the 30s and yes. 40s. Find me a freak. <laughs> yeah, or I mean, especially in the 20s, like in silent era, mm-hmm. they would steal everybody from Europe because it didn't matter if you spoke English. Yeah, that's right. Because it's silent, so big freaking deal. But even, yeah, into the 30s, 40s, into the 50s, yeah, they would basically, but they wouldn't just pick people off the street. It would be like... This local actor, this director, and he's got ideas, and so let's bring him to America. Come on. Well, hey, are you trying to avoid Nazis? Come on. Come here, Billy Wilder. <laughs> let's make some movies. Oh, he got some crazy notable sequels. I mean, maybe not so much. This one. No. Uh, Na- Natasha Henstridge and Michael Madsen in Species 2. Oh, God. Of the deadliest DNA in the universe. We got another alien on the loose. If he's reproducing, we've got potential offspring. 
Last time I fought with that alien, I almost got myself killed. Now, the only chance for the human race... Eve was recreated from a frozen lab embryo. ...is the woman who tried to destroy it. We need you. They try and T2 it's the shit out of the situation. It. Oh, species is just sexy alien lady sexes people to death. But now she she's now, a face turn. She's... Who cares? Yeah, I don't. No. I don't. I care way more about this absolutely insane sequel for 1998 you shouldn't care about this one either oh uh, i but i do i saw it in the, I, for some reason i saw it in the theater the <gasps> odd couple too oh. i got some big news for you i'm getting married this week my kid is getting married so who is she hold on to your hat pop she's whose daughter whose oh my god ah <laughs> uh, that oscar. music oscar there's nothing like a wedding to bring people together. That was a bump. We've always had bad chemistry feelings. You know, I still hate mess and I hate disorder. Nothing has changed, Felix. Wow. I, I believe I read this might really hold the record mm-hmm. of longest time in between a first and second movie. Mm-hmm. Sequel time. Yeah. Because it's 30 years almost to the day. Wow. 30 years to make a sequel to The Odd Couple. And it was like, even at the time, like, I could, I knew who The Odd Couple were. Mm-hmm. I knew The Odd Couple was a 1968 movie with uh, Walter Matthau, Jack Lemmon, and Piglet in it. Yep. Um, <laughs> I knew it was spun off into a popular show that I'd never seen. Mm-hmm. But this was way out of the zeitgeist. But yeah. just this insane period with a movie like Grumpy Old Men, yeah. pairing Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon became profitable again in the late yeah. 90s. Yeah, we've covered a bunch of them. We covered totally. Out to See. Have we covered Grumpier Old Men? Grumpier Old Men. We yeah. So, I mean, Grumpy Old Men is pretty much just Odd Couple too. Um, yeah. I They're guess, all just odd couple too. Yeah, I mean, I guess Jack Lemmon's less fussy in Grumpy Old Men mm-hmm. than he than he was an odd couple. But yeah, I was hopeful for this just a little bit, but it's not really good at all. There's a bunch of road movie parts of it that are just like, oh, guys, yeah. guys, can I just watch you guys just have a nice dinner at home or something? <laughs> Because there's like they're both two actors that I just love independently, and then when you put them together, it's like something magical happens. It's just it works in a whole different way. And at this point, it's no. But now their offspring are getting married. I know they're getting married. Jonathan Silverman's getting married. Jonathan (laughs) Silverman's getting married. Uh, Still written by Neil Simon though, Ah. undirected. But it's the last time any of them would work together because they. I don't know if Neil Simon's dead, but Matthew and no, Lemon definitely so. are. Uh, but yes, but the, finally, we get to our num- the movie, the number one movie that uh. somehow beat out um, motherfucking <laughs> Lost in Space from last week, uh. Nicolas Cage and Meg Ryan and the Goo Goo Dolls in Barf. City of Angels. What if angels walked the earth here among us, silent, and unseen and one of them no one can see you unless you want them to fell in love with one of us and if i want her to man i feel like this is a movie oh, this is so mopey and goopy <laughs> and a, basically a remake of wings of desire the vim vendors movie. that's like a french movie german german movie but peter fox in it mm. um but yes nick cage <sighs> plays an angel who falls in love with meg ryan which was very easy to do in 1998 i get it everybody did it I get it. And that fucking Goo Goo Dolls song that came out of here has, like, it's played at every hair salon I've ever been to. I don't want the world to see I was, I was, I thought about going out with that, but I found something, something else. I mean, we had to go out with George Michael. Oh, yeah. But uh, I like that song. I, I've had too much, too much. It yeah. got so much airplay. Yeah, it got overplayed, but then I didn't hear it for a long time, and, and now I'm back to, like, I, I like this movie. Or, I mean, I like this song. This movie is so goopy and point <laughs> like nothing happens in it it's like like when guys complain about being taken to see a chick flick like this is the chick flickiest this Oof. is the chick flickiest <laughs> and oh man just to ruin it for you meg ryan wipes out hard and dies and it was is that pretty... how they're reunited yes no so <laughs> i uh, th- yeah there's a point where she's like oh they finally had sex and everything's so <laughs> great and she's like riding down a mountain road on her bike and she like puts her arms out and puts her head back and closes her eyes and i literally was thinking truck 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 <laughs> truck truck and then a fucking logging truck comes out so and i was like i made that happen with my mind that's amazing <laughs> 
And so she wipes out, and then, like, Nicolas Cage, like, walks into the ocean all sad, and like, ah, and I'm like, shark, 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 shark. And that didn't happen. <laughs> when I was watching Undercover Brother, it did, though. Hey, <laughs> that movie delivers was, on a lot of things. It was want. the most amazing thing that ever happened. I started shouting shark, and it happened. And people took the movie seriously after Meg Ryan fucked a ghost. And people, angels are just ghosts with jobs. <laughs> That's all they are. Jesus it's Christ. so goopy. I hate the look on Nicolas Cage's face when he's like <gasps> romantically serious. Mm. His eyes just get all downturning. Purse my lips together. Oh, I'm hurting inside. <laughs> I just want to love. Your Nicolas Cage is so much better than mine. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. Can we please die yet a move into television of 1998? <laughs> yes. April 6th to the 12th. None uh, of those are worth talking about. People under 20, uh, this, this could torture you. Oh, no. Over the hills and far away. No. Teletubbies come to play. In Hobbiton. One. One. Two. And I made you wait for that because I don't, again, I don't like crapping on kids entertainment. And I'm not here to crap on Teletubbies. Mm. But it it became controversial. A children's show mm-hmm. became controversial. Do you remember yes. this? Yeah, because uh, Tinky Winky's gay. Be- oh, I'll get to that in a moment. Because <laughs> he's got a triangle and a purse. I'll get to that in a moment. You, you know exactly. I, I, I copied down. He didn't say it. For, uh, anyway, one second. Uh. It was controversial because this had aired in England the mm-hmm. previous year and it finally hit PBS okay. in America this year. And now it's a worldwide phenomenon at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's made out of England. It's because at this point, no one had made a television show. Not many people had made a television show targeting pre- preschoolers. Mm. Mostly stuff like Baby Geniuses did that because preschoolers don't give a shit. You can yeah. kind of put on anything with pleasant imagery and they'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But when you watch this, it's like you'll watch a segment of something like on Sesame Street and the Teletubbies zoom out of their stomach and they'll say again and they will verbatim in real time Uh, play that exact segment again and that's the format of the show and for an adult to watch it it can be an excruciating experience maybe with a little weed that that little baby in the sun is terrifying Um, God I... I feel like, I mean, I I understand if parents would hate this, just getting fucking sick of it. But, like, plenty of other people are, like, making fun of it. And it's like, like Barney, it's like, you're just punching too far down. But on the other hand, I have to complain that they're not, they don't speak properly. (laughs) Kids can't learn to speak unless you speak properly to them. Huh. And yeah, if all they hear all day is He's like, they're all gonna they're gonna talk like that and it's gonna be gross. Uh, but kids are already talking like them. Yeah, I know. You gotta teach them to stop it. Well, I just think I think it's weird that like a production budget and writers and a oh fucking gaffer for preschoolers to make a product for preschoolers, but this thing it still kind of exists. They shot mm-hmm. new episodes even after it went off the air. Um, it's still aired in all over the globe, Teletubbies. A very successful show. Um, not as successful. No, wait, this is successful, because this is a much more notable episode of the show Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Uh, they brought up a dilemma I personally never experienced, uh, but I do <laughs> I do love the situation that George Costanza gets into in the bookstore. Excuse me, sir. What are you doing? I'm all set. <laughs> Did you take that book with you into the bathroom? <laughs> What do you want to hear? <laughs> the bookstore forces George to pay for a $100 art book that he was reading in the well, public yeah, you shitter. You don't take the giant impressionism book I, into the bathroom. I'm I mean, you don't take any... You're not supposed to take products from a store into their bathroom in general. I've never seen a sign that says that. No, that's true. But that's uh, sort of, Well, sometimes you'll see a sign that's like, you know, do not take unpaid purchases or mm-hmm. something like that. Where it's like, yeah, if you're a Target, you can just like take a bunch of clothes with you and some, <laughs> some Cheetos and go in the bathroom. Oh, man. Our city target has much, much worse problems than that. Well, yes. Um, they, have, they have a needle depository. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Jesus, yes. Oh, but that is, it's also the episode where Uncle Leo reveals that old people can just steal stuff all day and pretend to be confused <laughs> when they're caught. I do like that about this episode. That's the Seinfeld, the bookstore that aired on April uh, April 9th. Also on April 9th, I should have done, if we're doing this chronologically, I should have done it beforehand because this mm. happened in, earlier in the day. A very important milestone for one of a very long-standing program. Here it comes! 
this television's most exciting hour of fantastic prizes. Our 5,000 show. The fabulous 60-minute price is right. 5,000. 5K. Holy Bob Barker. 5,000 episodes of the one-hour daily price is right. Damn. Holy shit, that's a ton of episodes. And uh, Bob Barker, charming, charming man. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only did they reward contestants, everyone, every prize was a car. Period. Whoa. So you get a car, you get a car, but like kind of in a third, everybody mm-hmm. got a chance to win a car. Mm-hmm. Bob Barker was honored uh, by the vice president of programming in a different way. Thank you for that wonderful welcome. Thank you. Before we do any bidding today, let's welcome CBS's senior vice president of daytime and children's programming, Lucy Johnson. Oh, thank you very much. First of all, Bob, I want to congratulate you on your Emmy nomination for Outstanding Game Show Host. And also to you and the producers of Price is Right for the Emmy nomination for Outstanding Game Show. Thank you. But there's a special event today in honor of your 26 years here at CBS and in celebration of your 5,000th episode of The Price is Right, all of us at CBS would like to express our congratulations by officially renaming this historic stage the Bob Barker Studio. Oh, what a, what a nice, nice gesture. It still is. It was yeah. Studio 33 mm-hmm. became the Bob Barker Studio. Yeah. Uh, very sweet. Bob Barker, good dude. Well, hmm. there were some sexual harassment allegations. Oh, God damn it, him too? No, but they were back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, one of Barker's beauties said. Oh, I mean, no. seriously, like back around this time, like the '90s. Uh, and here, I promised in a previous episode, I t- we talked about Charlton Heston again. Yeah. Um, the Ten Commandments airs for the last consecutive time <gasps> on uh, ABC for in honor of Easter Sunday. Right. Passover. But, it's for pa- Passover. Oh, sorry, Passover. My it's bad. It's for Passover, but Passover and Easter are always right next. To yes, each other, they so. they air it every single year, and they still do. But for mm-hmm. some reason, the next year they will not. Huh. And I tried to look into what it was, and it's locked behind all these archivey websites that want to charge you money, and your interface is too terrible to put my credit card into. Yeah. Uh, but yes, like, for some reason, this is the last... Uh, people thought it was going to be the last time they saw Ten Commandments, Aww. a movie I still have never seen. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it, now. It's very campy. <laughs> it is very campy. Anne Baxter as Nefertiti is just full... She's doing her own <laughs> drag impersonation of herself. And Yule Brynner is freaking on fire, and Troughton Heston, when he gets awful, let my people let go. Let my people go. Sayeth the Lord your God. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of fun, but it is it is goofy and campy. And, and 16 hours long? Yeah, well, with commercials, it runs probably like <laughs> three hours. I mean, it's it's very Cecil B. DeMille. Mm. They gotta go big. I love it. I you, try to watch it every year. Do you like how I gave you a little chunk of Diana's Classic Corner Thank in the middle you. of 1998? That's nice. Snuck it in there. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also going to sneak that into games, which you don't care about much at all. And you definitely <laughs> won't care about this, this game of 1998. The only thing of note I could see that came out to the period of uh, April 6th to the 12th, mm-hmm. Warhammer's Dark Omen from Mindscape okay. and uh, published by... is It might be notable for being the first one published by EA. I don't know. <laughs> but a Warhammer game came out on PS1. You jokers, I'm, be happy. So we're going to take you out of 1998 before we head into 2008, April 6th to the 12th. But taking you out right now, as promised by Diana Goodman, outside by George Michael. Great video. Sit right there, folks. the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner where we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of april 6th through 12th uh yeah actually i got uh, a recommendation from uh 75 years ago uh april 1943 saw the release of vincente minnelli's cabin in the sky which is a early musical for him and it's uh what they would call a 
color musical or colored or race musical. It's a musical starring all black people. And that makes it kind of awesome because those black people include Ethel Waters, uh, Eddie Rochester Anderson, Lena Horne, Louis Armstrong. Lena Horne might, like, the earth never deserved her. She's so freaking badass. Besides being, like, one of the most beautiful women in the universe and an incredible singer, um, it's it's interesting because, you know, it's a, it's a movie about black folks starring all real black folks. And yeah, there is some kind of unfortunate stuff that leaks in there. There's some stereotypical type stuff, but it's pretty awesome that they get a movie in the first place. They're not just, I don't know, get one number in some white person movie and then you never see them again. They don't get to be a character. These folks all get to be characters. So that makes it interesting. Uh, I believe it's in the uh, National Registry of Film for the uh, Library of Congress. Just because of that, you know, that interest that it's it's made for black folks, but also for white audiences too. Something we can all enjoy, which back in the 40s, that didn't really happen a lot. So that's my recommend for this week. Cabin in the Sky from 1943. See, and that's it for this week. Stay classic. For the very first time with you My heart melted to the ground Found something true And everyone's looking round Thinking I'm going crazy Coming in with Bleeding Love by Lena Lewis. It's number one this week on the charts in 2008, April 6th through the 12th. Buckle in, everyone. we got a lot of new music releases. Let's see if I can uh, pronounce them all correctly. Uh, we got new releases. St. Jude by uh, Court... <laughs> the first one through Court... Courtners? <laughs> it's not even Yingwe Malmsteen. Come Courtiners? on. Uh, Courtiers. Cu- couples by the Long Blondes. Mountain Battles by the Breeders. Sunset Man by James Otto. And When Angels and Serpents Dance by P.O.D. And All I Feel by Ray J. Ugh. Ray J. Tell me more about Ray J. He's the he, uh, he's Brandy's brother who's in the oh, Kardashian yes. tape. Oh yeah. Oh, that's him. Yeah, he's a little remora of a person. Okay, let's see out of that as quickly as possible. Okay. Into, to movies I barely understand. I mean, maybe he has talent. I don't think I've ever heard his music. So me I guess that's not entirely fair. I right? almost pronounced that name, and it's four 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 letters. Um, movies, two thousand eight, April sixth to the twelfth. A bunch of stuff I did not see. I mm. um I did see Red Belt. Carrying on from last week, we had David Mamet. David Spanish, Mamet. Yep. Spanish prisoner. Now we got Red Belt. He's back with Ricky Jay and Joe Montana as a huge. Chiwetel Ejiofor, am I saying his name right? Chiwetel Chiwetel Ejiofor. I love that guy. I just call him the operative because I love Serenity. Yeah. Uh, But he's pretty great in this movie. It's it's a weird martial arts film from David Mamet. Huh. Um, Yeah. He plays a... He plays, a, what would you call it, a pro, a well-trained fighter who doesn't want to use it in like a UFC ring. He mm-hmm. wants to teach and be peaceful and kind of be left alone. And he gets drawn in to the CD universe of prize fighting oh. uh, with the help of Tim Allen, oddly oh. enough, <laughs> who, yeah. I, who occasionally can show up and do, Tim Allen's not a bad actor. Hmm. He's bad in a lot of comedies, like like PG Disney comedies. I don't think I've ever seen him act straight. Yeah, you can. there's a couple moments like, Jesus, dude, you should try this. You yeah. should try this. But uh, most people, I know most of our fans don't want to see any more Tim Allen. Then they have to. Uh, yeah. Also a movie, and, and I didn't see category, a twee-looking Dennis Quaid and Sarah Jessica Parker movie, uh, Smart People. Mm. I have not seen it, but the trailer somehow sickened me. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. It Just a bunch of, I don't know, attractive white people going through minor neuroses and building mountains out of those molehills. Oh. Great. Um, not did not did not interest me. Hard to do right. What did sort of interest me is the movie Street Kings, starring mm. Keanu Reeves, Forrest Whitaker, Hugh Laurie, Chris Evans, comment in the game. That is, I, I I don't even want to watch this movie. It's another one. I just want to watch them have dinner. <laughs> that's just, a that's a great dinner party, right? You guys there. should do a podcast. Oh my god! Um, but yeah, Street Kings, uh, not the first, but not the last, but yet another entry into the South Central Police. Oh. fold of uh, David Ayer movies. Oh, okay. Uh, where Keanu Reeves plays a cop who's kind of not on the up and up, but it looks like he might be being framed for a much larger crime. Hmm. For a cop who breaks the law. Why do you always go in there alone? So there's only my version. The biggest risk isn't being dirty. It ain't LA's deadliest white boy. I'm in Washington. He used to be one of us. It's coming clean. Detective. Don't get yourself so far out there that I can't reel you back. Who's that? Cop who burns cops. <laughs> and also Terry Crews. And Terry Crews. Terry Crews is in the movie. 
Uh, but yeah, Street Kings, another film I did not see. But um, Prom Night is number one at the box office. Yeah, um, the remake. It, it is a remake. Right. Because the movie is about... I love their misdirect of the trailer, which I'll play in a second. But mm-hmm. it, you know, let's just let's just start with that. This is all ending. It's time of our lives. Sure, gonna miss you guys. Cheers. Cheers. Time. Okay, everyone. Bridgeport High's prom king and prom queen are. Lights go out. They start serving. You get a full minute of like a cover of Time After Time and like, isn't this the best time of our <laughs> lives? It's so great to be alive. But this is about, what, a, a stalker? I'm yeah. trying to remember who the killer is, but the killer is basically after the girl at the prom and is mm. like kind of willing to cut through everybody there yeah. in order to get to her. Because yeah. she, she can only be her prom king. Uh, yeah, I have no, no idea what this is. a bad time if you're going to murder someone. Don't do it. <laughs> When the, you have a big room full of people. Uh, you know what? I'm planning the perfect murder. How Do about when the, they go to Disneyland? How about... <laughs> Ton on, of witnesses. How about on the drive over? Yes. Yes. How about... How, Silly killer. How about like a, a shameful hunt for Ben and Jerry's at 1 a.m.? That's when you kill somebody. <laughs> Not at a fucking public event like a prom. Goddamn. But it's number one. Didn't see it. No. Um, but I did want to tell you about something in TV, Diana. Because oh, I no. found because uh, April sixth to the eighth, a bunch of half-ass reality shows got canceled. Good. Um, you got uh, the Here Come the Newlyweds, a reality show about seven newlywed couples. Like boring from the from the production company. We think people watch anything. Um, <laughs> my dad is better than your dad. Exactly what it sounds like. I'll give them credit for that. Dan Cortez hosts a reality show where fathers compete in various challenges of oh, physical strength and uh, aptitude and intelligence. But then there was uh, the, uh, the reality show Secret Talents of the Stars, which okay. is also exactly what it sounds like. I can't find any, I can't find many clips of this. And not, I want to see the full show. Let's say, I'm trying to figure out what's the most notable about it. So it's obviously stars performing their own talent. Okay. Also, it is the only episode that, that airs because oh. it is such a dismal failure. <laughs> is it, there is one episode of this. Was this Network? It was Network. Yeah, I figured. Um, it so was, it's kind of like Circus of the Stars, but maybe they break dance instead. Yes, except that there was so much other stuff. And some of it's like, that's not really a talent. We just want, want to get a celebrity here. Mm-hmm. The Judges. Oh, uh, oh, it's a competition. It is a competition judged oh. by other celebrities. Oh, and uh, there's a producer whose name I forgot, but the other judges are Brian McKnight and Debbie Reynolds. So What? Yes, if you can you gotta break dance hard enough to impress Debbie Reynolds. They will be That's the judge. That's tough. But here are the list of celeb uh, this is just a part of the list of the okay. celebrities and their talents that are on display for this one episode. Okay. Uh Ric Flair salsa dances. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Uh, George Takai sings country music. Okay. Sidney Margolis performs magic. Mm-hmm. Ben Stein dances the jitterbug. Oh, I want to see that. Danny Bonaducci rides a unicycle. Oh and the God. thing I tried to go out of my way to find through any means I could, Clint Black. Mm-hmm. Want to take a guess? Um, juggles. Performs stand-up comedy. <gasps> <laughs> if you have a link to Clint Black performing stand-up, which oh I have to imagine God. this is the only time, and it's on film, I must see this. <laughs> I must see this. Oh. So what that, the hell? That's Secret Talents of the Stars. You're so dumb. But uh, as far as shows go that I actually watch, mm-hmm. um, The Office returns for the first time since 2007. Oh, jeez. Uh, so... Th- it's sort of mid-season replacementing back? No, it's recovering from the writer's strike. Oh. Back. And because I know we talked about it a little on 302010, but we did a laser time episode where the topic was famous strikes. And right. the writer's strike of 2007, mm-hmm. I don't think there was a bigger face for that than The Office because there wasn't another highly rated network show where almost all the cast members were writers. Oh gosh! Mindy Kaling's a writer. Toby is a writer. Um, B.J. Novak is a writer. Mm. So all these people on screen are writing the show, and they're front. It's like the stars of your favorite show on the front of the picket lines, <laughs> because I think some of this came about from The Office itself, because they kept like, "Hey, make these webisodes and DVD features," and like, we don't even get a cut of DVD. What mm. the fuck? Why would we write stuff for something you're not paying us for? Right. Um, 
But the strike the strike did eventually resolve, and mm-hmm. the office came back just a little late. Mm-hmm. But it came back with the episode "The Dinner Party" <gasps> on April tenth. One of my favorites. It's 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 in the top ten of office episodes. Absolutely. By the way, if you haven't seen, I'll let me just throw this back into the classic corner. <laughs> Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? If you haven't seen it and you like this episode, mm-hmm. this it, they're referencing hard. Really. This is this is what "Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf" is like, where there are two couples. And one of those couples will not stop fighting. <laughs> and it's so fucking uncomfortable. Yes, it's... Oh, my God. And this has one of the filthiest jokes I've seen in really? TV. Really? Yeah. The, where he's so... It's Michael and Jan, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, have Jim and Pam over for dinner. Yes. And he's showing them the house. And they get to the bedroom and there's a camcorder set up pointing at the bed. <laughs> and just having that there is so... <laughs> creepy because we see how bad the relationship is like jan gets the whole bed and michael basically has like a dog bed at the base of it it's like and they start fighting and he's got like a beer sign he wants to put up in their nice house and oh it's so uncomfortable it's it's incredible because there's a scene where like she just starts turns up the music and starts dancing by herself in front of company drowning out their conversation for like a whole minute there's not a lot of Good clips that I think emphasize what the episode's about. So mm. I just gotta, I just want to track that clip because it's a good episode. Oh yeah, uh, where uh, what is it? Steve Carell is trying to play charades, and it's just Jim <laughs> is refusing to get the right answer. First name is Blake, and he goes on a cruise. He goes on a Caribbean cruise. I don't know. Katie Holmes. No. Ah! But he's married to her. Oh, Dawson's Creek. No, no, it has to be a real person, Jim. Come on. Okay. No, no, I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna pass. Uh, okay. Um. Rhymes with Arnold Schwarzenegger. No rhyming. Well, that's not really not a, a rhyme. Okay. Another clue. Another clue. Okay. He's the governor of California. He is the Terminator. Those aren't helpful. Tom Cruise. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Funny sequence. I was revisiting The Office recently. I was surprised. I'm, I'm happy to say mm-hmm. it holds up pretty well 10 oh, years yeah. later. And I, I know that's stupid because I, I think it reruns on like 80 different channels now. Yeah. Comedy Central just has it for like six hours a day. Yeah. yeah still a good show. I This... I'm curious to see if this show holds up mm-hmm. because this episode that aired on the 11th was nominated for an Emmy. Okay. Uh, Battlestar Galactica's Six of One airs. Okay. And I'm trying to read. I watched every episode of the show and I really liked it and I'll go to bat for it uh, despite certain things people hate about it. Mm. But it doesn't have as many things to hate in retrospect as something like Lost. It, it had a uh-huh. little more respect for its audience even though everybody turned out to be a Cylon. Mm. But this was a, an important episode. I, I could not wrap my head around what the description was I, I want to rewatch Battlestar Galactica Dave mm-hmm. says it doesn't hold up very well okay um, and I think it was very evocative of the times there's a lot of Gulf War right. par- parallels in mm-hmm. the uh, remake of Battlestar Galactica but I, did you ever see it no I still have it on my my to-do list I'm sorry I, I pushed the wire up over it did you are you starting I took, the wire I took so much shit for saying that I haven't finished Goddamn the wire right you did. I'm working on it right now. I do. I, I do. Uh, yeah, I find it astonishing. You I saw know. The Sopranos and not The Wire. Yep. No, I saw all of The Sopranos yeah. and all of Breaking Bad. I, I meant to get more information on this, but even reading the descriptions, I knew all these characters' names, and then we th- they turn to their Cylon names. I get a little yeah. freaked out. I'm trying my best not to spoil things because, okay. like, it is one of those shows where something drastic happens, especially in this, the fourth season, like every couple of episodes. Mm. Um, but okay. yes, we can move out of move out of TV of 2008 and get into the games. It's a little bigger this week. Got yet another big game. Supreme Commander uh, Gas Power Games comes to 360. It might have been on a PC already, but this was an eagerly anticipated uh, real-time strategy game. And uh, Microsoft, in kind of a coup, according to PC audience, ensured it would be available on its uh, home console. As it did for Ikaruga, a shmup. People hate that. Uh, It's just a a really awesome Japanese shooter. Very old school and traditional, but in hard as balls. But like it showed the potential of what could be on XBLA. These games had almost disappeared from American releases altogether, but were still very popular in Japan. You know, like, what would I call that, Diana? Not not Galaga. See, I want to say Gradius. But just a plane moving forward and shooting that you're looking down at. Very simple arcade game. Okay. But they kept going in Japan. They were always very popular. And I, to me, they're really fucking fun, like a 1943 game. Uh, but Ikaruga's Bullet Hell is uh, mm-hmm. just, it's an awesome game like that. And it came to XBLA and, and found some love and some su- success. Whereas if it got a box release, it might not have and sold for full price. Could have burned people. Could have been a giant failure. It just showed the, how interesting Xbox Live Arcade was going to be towards the digital game landscape. And lastly, uh, Mario Kart Wii. Also the worst Mario Kart game. Yeah. Oh. 
but also the best-selling one. Huh. And also the second best-selling Wii game of all time at oh, 32 crap. million copies. Whoa! Uh, Mario Kart Wii comes out. Holy debuting with a poop. dumb-ass steering wheel controller that you oh, stick I've your remote that. in. And yeah. What did Grim say? All these peripherals, like, play a tennis game by sticking your remote in a tennis racket. And, like, for, this is for people who have no imagination. <laughs> like, you already know you're not really doing the thing you're doing in a video game. Why do you need this plastic horseshit? But this is the first one officially released by Nintendo. An official dumb peripheral. It's just a Mario Kart game with a... It just looks bad. Because the Wii had didn't have HD capabilities and like uh, everything was HD at that point, so it just looked foggy and boring and focused yeah. on tilt tilt steering and motorcycles, which some of us hardcore Mario Kart fans were not behind. I would speculate this is the best selling Wii game of all time, period. Because the only Probably. thing that beats it out is Wii Sports, right. and Wii Sports sold 80 million copies, and by sold, they include the Wii itself because it was packed in day one. So it's not really fair. I never bought Wii Sports. My Wii came with Wii Sports, as it did for everybody in the West. So every Wii sold counted as a copy of Wii Sports sold. Not fair. Mario Kart <laughs> didn't have that luxury. 32 million copies sold on its own. So I would speculate it's the best-selling Wii game of all time. And that is it for 302010 this week, people. Leave us a comment at 302010.net or lasertimepodcast.com. Be sure to check out the Laser Time Show if you like this show. Many of the same participants, uh, but it's topic-based instead of date-based. Or... Find uh, Diana on Twitter. Yep. At Listen um, Nerd. Listen Nerd. Or check out the uh, the video game show her husband and I do, Video yep. Game Apocalypse, every single Friday. Yep. We've got to do the, ta- the morbid task ahead of you. All right. Uh, only one uh, famous death I found this week. Uh, 1998, Tammy Wynette passed away. She was 55. You know the only reason I know Tammy Wynette? Why? A Chipmunks country album. Oh, God. Why did she sing Divorce on a kid's album? With this <laughs> to teach that, but wait, 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 wait. So she sings D I V O R C E, yeah, which is a song about someone spelling the word out so that the kid doesn't know what <laughs> she's talking I, about. I feel now you make me feel like I'm mistaken, but the it's, it's Cowboy not, Alvin it's, on the cover. It's not Stand by Your Man because that's it that's, is Stand by Your Man. You it go. is Stand by Your Man. That's what it is. All right, that's obviously the more famous one. But D I V O R C E is a really good song, but. That would be hilarious. <laughs> it's like, come on, kids, learn to spell this word that your parents are spelling to not let you know that they're splitting up, and it's your fault. It's very cruel, Diana. Especially, eh. we have to, especially uh, look. Now we have to go in the birthday segment to okay. lighten up the mood a little bit. I oh birthdays! Tell me about the birthdays. All right, so we have two birthdays I want to talk about. Please. One of them I will make a quiz though, okay? Because I'm so shocked by this. But in our 1988 segment, we could have mentioned. The birth of Mr. Haley Joel Osment. Oh. April 10th, 1988. Sora, so baby. He is turning 30. Good for him. But now the quiz. Mm-hmm. This is one. Ready. This is very, very tough. Okay. Mm-hmm. April 12th, 1916. <laughs> okay. Turning 102. Robert E. Lee. Still alive. What? Yes. Turning 102. It is an author who mm. wrote Henry Huggins, Henry and Beezus. Uh, the Luckiest Girl. I'm never going to get this. The Mouse and the Motorcycle. Ramona the Brave. Oh, oh, fuck. Alphas Mouse. Dear Mr. Henshaw. Ramona Forever. Oh, uh, Muggy Maggie. Uh, Beverly Cleary. No, yes, no. Beverly Cleary. Okay, yes. 102. Ooh, ooh, she's yeah. 102 years old? I didn't realize those books were from the 50s. Me neither. I remember reading Dear Mr. Crenshaw. I thought that was... A modern book. Yeah, by- I always thought they were recent. Oh, my God. Yep, Beverly Cleary, 102, knock on wood. I think I need to do a laser time someday about that period of books that I'm guessing we all read. Yeah. Because I was talking to someone about Indian in the Cupboard and like... N- that was a huge thing surrounding my little world in elementary school and has a great movie adaptation. I never hear anybody say word one about the Indian in the cupboard. Yeah. Uh, but maybe, maybe we will in another episode of 302010. Stay tuned for that because we're going to get into a little more of April next week. Why don't we go ahead and close out with Iris from the Goo Goo Dolls. Diana's favorite song ever. You heard her say it. That Metallica <laughs> she loves. Anyway, we'll see you next week, people. Thanks so much. All I could taste is this moment. All I can breathe. Your life.